Kills me not to know this, but I Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Scars are how she got them. Has the telling signs of Adrian Town. A single tear is dropping to the valleys of an aging face. All right, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke. On a Tuesday morning. You know, Wolf, yeah. you had your three-day weekend. I had my three-day weekend. It felt like it was eight days. Well, you did have like a six-day weekend, although the first part wasn't yeah, really a vacation by a any means. three-day weekend. It was like a odyssey. <laughs> well, the point of all that was... The guy in our studio right now did not have a three-day weekend because oh, he came in here and did a show yesterday <laughs> in addition to covering the Zip. Bradley Beal stuff all weekend. Kevin Zimmerman is here. Kevin, how was your weekend? It was good. Yeah. Uh, Father's Day stuff. I got some sleep last night, so that was good to there catch go. up on. I started falling asleep. Doesn't this doesn't usually happen to me, but... <laughs> this seems to be a theme for anybody that we have that consistently covers the Suns. Kellen Olsen, Kevin Zimmerman. They never get any sleep because this team is constantly doing something. Didn't they get you on the KD trade, too? I mean, that was later at night. Uh, they're two for two on doing the trades when I'm asleep. I was doing a Father's Day nap. <laughs> so congrats to them on that. And luckily, we have other employees here who are more on the ball than me and not yeah. napping at the worst I mean, this, times. Yeah, Zim, it just feels like nobody else is trying in the association to win. You know, it just seems like the Suns are trying to win, and that's it. Nobody else is trying to win. After, after Denver won the world championship, we know. Nobody else seems to be trying to win games except for Matt Ishbia and the Phoenix Suns. It's truly incredible what has happened here. Just your first reaction to the news when it came down. Yeah, I've said this other places, but I think the simplest way I can frame it is if you build around two stars and you have all these restrictions from the new CBA, you don't know how you're going to build a team around Book and Durant. Why don't you just add a third star to that with the same problems, basically. I mean, the mid-level exception is about $12 million. You don't get that anymore. But, like, what's the difference between mid-level exceptions and veterans' minimums contracts? So that's kind of how they look at it. And they, obviously, Chris Paul losing him matters. Um, he is still a very good player when he's healthy. But Bradley Beal also is a really good player. And that's how they are looking at it. And I think they keep looking at it like, okay, we're worried about this year if – Next year comes and we're cash strapped again. We're going to have to figure it out. But as the Bradley Beal contract showed, you can get off it. Maybe you don't get anything in return. Certainly, the Wizards probably had to just you know eat so much, and maybe they get some second round picks and stuff like that. But man, it's it's really just living in the moment for the Suns. And credit to Matt Ishbia for being willing to even just this year accept all of the the money penalties that he's going to take. Yeah, I'm glad you said it that way. I heard you say it on the, the podcast over the weekend, too, of, okay, you're, you're stuck. It's going to be a bunch of players on the veterans minimum and Booker and KD. Okay, we'll just add Bradley Beal, too, then. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not easy. It's yes. the same issue, but, but now you have a third-star player. Um, before we get into all the other like side angles of this, how about just Bradley Beal himself? Everybody knows he's a scorer. I don't think a lot of people are watching a lot of Wizards games the last couple years out here in Phoenix. But, I mean, I, I made this point to Wolf earlier. A few years ago, 
I always looked at him as the Eastern Conference version of Devin Booker. Now, Booker has gotten better and better, and he's added to his defense, and they're not the same player now. And they weren't identical players then, but if you told me to pick somebody in the East who was similar to Booker, they were both scoring a lot of points on teams that couldn't win. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, he's not credited enough for how much versatility he has. He's a really good passer. He's going to be a willing passer. Um, The efficiency numbers, people might worry about that and say, well, you're just adding a shooter, a guy to stand in the corner, but he does so much more. And also, his numbers were awesome when he played alongside John Wall and wasn't the guy. So I think he's going to be super open to being like, oh, this is the game comes a lot easier when I'm not just getting, you know, he's dealing with what Devin Booker was dealing with when Devin Booker was on the (laughs) Bad Sons team. So we see how efficient Book and Katie were, even just them two this past season. I know it's small sample size or whatever, but just there's another one of those guys on this team. So I, I can't imagine how you come with a defensive game plan for even just one game where you have confidence in it against this team. So how do you think they play going forward? I mean, what do you think this does to them schematically on the floor, Zim? Yeah, um, my first thought from a basketball standpoint offensively was book plays point, which I think we can all come to that. But it, it was when Chris went down. I think I said it out loud that, like, I don't know if this team, the, the offense operates just fine without Chris Paul, and I don't want to, like, disrespect him at all and, and put it down even where he's right. at right now. Right. But, like, Book was so good with the ball. He was masterful just dictating pace. And to me, they probably looked at those games in the playoffs under pressure against a really good team that won the championship and said, like, we don't expect you to score 40 every game, but the way he dictated pace and the way he handled that, I think that's a big part of them feeling comfortable about Bradley Beal joining this team. And look, I think all three of those guys have this thing about them where they don't care about the touches and they don't need the ball necessarily like they're going to be really efficient and they can score and get their numbers without pounding the rock into the ground and I think that's why it will work offensively we're talking to Kevin Zimmerman the natural reaction to this to see a trade like this is is this part one of a two-part trade where DeAndre Ayton gets moved either on draft night or in a month or whatever and there's good arguments on both sides of it where do you come out on that Man, it just it depends on the return, and I think they're probably trying to play hardball right now and actually get a decent return of a couple of rotation players or whatnot. Um, I, I personally don't feel like there's a rush with DA because I think, okay, we don't even know how he and Frank Vogel are going to work together, right? If Frank Vogel can really get something more out of him, um, maybe you go into the season and see if that can really happen. I know there are a million reasons why we, we've seen that he has – had the inconsistency issues has has not lived up to being the number one pick or whatnot but uh, at this point I don't think his stock's very good right now because of where he came out of the season and I think it can only get better so I'm not I don't think they're in a bad spot just to wait this out and like make teams really think about it and send them something decent in return so I I honestly don't think it has to happen this week but I have a feeling they're going to try to make it happen soon so Zim I what do you think is calling all this stuff? <laughs> I mean, do you... Do you, uh, you asked it before I mad, could. <laughs> is this mad Ishbia or is this um, somebody else? Yeah, that's the toughest part. With I think James Jones gives his input. I'm sure he does, and I'm sure Matt Ishbia... Like, it, we would have seen front office changes, like the coaching change, if we would have seen that already. Um, 
so I think Matt Ishbia does have a lot of control. And when you read articles and stuff, even from Woj about his the owner's involvement, I think he makes the final call. I'm sure he takes advice from his GM and president of basketball ops. He probably takes advice from friends who might know basketball, mm. who may or may not be officially affiliated with the organization. But what if they played for the Pistons at some point in their career? Like those sort of friends? Yeah, <laughs> those sort of friends. <laughs> okay. Who might have been sitting courtside a couple mm. games in the playoffs. So, I, I mean, Mar- Bartlestein, who's now new in the front office, like he's, you know, in charge of the business side too, but he has a basketball background. His dad is uh, Bradley Beal's agent. So yep. there's a lot of voices, but I, from what I've gathered of Matt Ishbia's leadership, it is like, okay, I, I can't do the day to day, right? But I'm going to take all the information in and maybe he does make the final call. And you can argue that's wrong or, or bad or whatever, but I, I think it's actually interesting in this ownership situation that it seems so obvious that it is him making the final call he definitely um you know he came in and said that he wasn't going to let money hold him back yeah he is not i mean he's absolutely delivered on that promise so far it's only been four months it feels <laughs> like it's been two years yeah and i i think again if if you want to complain about decisions fine but you can't argue about the commitment because when you look at the tax implications that we've talked about when you look at okay how are they going to fill out a roster not only vets minimums but if gambo just reported this morning they're going to try to stay in that second round um they're going to have to either hold one of those picks or maybe he even pays money to get in higher where there's a you know a better prospect that they feel better about hiring the draft so that's going to be interesting to see if it's like that. That's how we can spend more money on the roster um, in different ways than other executives think about it. Because other executives, you know, worry about money. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently, this, <laughs> just not. imagine not worrying about money right now. I, I know. <laughs> the second apron is more like a parka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just ran right through it. Kevin, great stuff as always, made Good stuff yesterday on the show and on the podcast. And if we need a DA trade, we know just you just go to sleep for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank All you, right. Zim.